Uh, my name is Alex Granger. I'm a uh, business speaker and author. Justin Spratt. I'm the head of business for Uber in Sub-Saharan Africa. Hi, I'm Miles Kupeka from Voyos. I sell Borovos rolls. Um, my name is Femi Adebanji. I'm a customer service speaker and consultant. That's what I do. My name is Matthew Grosset and I'm the CEO and owner of Run Walk for Life International. And I'm Liz, your host for the Sage Summit South Africa's Conversations podcast. Join us as we talk to these experts about how to foster future leadership, macroeconomic issues affecting African businesses, technology as an enabler, as well as bravery in business and grabbing opportunities as they arise. Enjoy. First up is Alex Granger, business speaker and author. Alex spoke about five key insights on becoming a future leader in a changing business landscape. So today I spoke on a topic called uh, Future Leadership Unlocked, which really covers um, five key insights on how to become a future leader, especially when you consider how the business landscape has changed, there are millennials now in the environment, so how do you actually lead young people? How do you lead a business where the environment is changing all the time? So I shared five key insights. So the first one really is around uh, the concept of plussing, which is a, uh, a word coined by Walt Disney, which is really having an obsession with excellence, ensuring that whatever you do, you continually to improve on it on a day-to-day -day basis. So you plus your clients by giving them great service today, tomorrow you've got to improve on the great service you gave yesterday. So everything you do, you plus, 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 and then you plus the plus. Uh, so that was the first idea. The second concept was around um, hiring the right people. So again, you can imagine uh, once you've got the right people on board, your business thrives because you don't have to micromanage. Uh, you don't have to worry about performance management either because you've got the right people. And what does it take to get the right people on board? Well, there's two really key, key components. One is to make sure you have a values match, that the people's values are aligned to the values of the organization. And secondly, there must be a culture compatibility. Uh, what type of culture your organization has inculcated? Try and find the similar type of people who will fit in without having to compromise on their own culture. The third thing was really finding a balance between IQ and EQ because as you know, we've been taught for a long time now that emotional intelligence is everything that a leader needs, but it actually isn't. We need a balance between IQ, which really speaks to uh, acumen, business competency. So you need a guy who's sharp enough to have business savvy, to be able to read financials, to be able to make strategic decisions. But at the same time, you need someone who's also emotionally intelligent to be able to understand uh, people, to be able to manage and lead people to have empathy. So that great kind of balance is, is going to be key. The, the fourth thing that I shared was around disruption and disruption in this case was not necessarily the technology which is obviously key but it's about having a disruptive way of thinking because the way that we think uh, affects the way that we behave. So the disruptive thinker is thinking the unthinkable and doing what has never been done before. So this is better than differentiation. Differentiation means there are small incremental differences in how you run your business. So you improve little by little by little, but you know, disruption is like totally doing something completely unever heard of, unheard of, unthought of before. Next is Justin Spratt, head of business for Uber. He spoke about macroeconomic issues affecting businesses in Africa, such as virtual and augmented reality in education and farming, and how it might propel these areas forward. 
I think we need to solve some fundamental problems. The challenge is this thing is not uh, serial, it's going to be in parallel. So um, I think, you know, there is uh, an SMS-based service called iCal that's, that's um, you know, democratizing the ownership of, of cattle. And that's interesting. That's super interesting. Um, I'm not that skilled to talk about that. So I talk about the bigger global trends and how they might affect Africa. For me, I think augmented reality, virtual reality are going to be, be really, really big themes for education, massively. I think augmented reality for rural farmers, in other words, like um, market prices and how to get better yields, I think that is the technology to do that today is there. It's actually not hard. Um, probably something that underpins that is, is the cost of data. But as soon as we fix that, all of a sudden we can, you know, make these farmers like super farmers by bringing all the best information, uh, market prices and, and, and yield information, soil science. That's something that's really interesting. Compressing the um, education cycle for school kids. Like, so for instance, um, you know, the, 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 the school model of going, you know, to 12 grades and, and having all these terms. And, you know, I think we can accelerate that through virtual and augmented reality. What I mean by that, well, if you have an emotional and immersive experience with your education, the stuff you're learning, it becomes more visceral and you learn it a lot better, right? And so what does that mean? Can we then accelerate the, the rate of which we learn? I think so. And then can we just cut out two or three years of school? Well, absolutely we can. I haven't thought about the social implications and the maturity of, of, of these kids, but definitely from a curriculum point of view, we can do that. Now, that's big for um, Africa because we need to catch up, right? And so there is, a, there is a view that I have where we could step change or we could even leapfrog some of our Western counterparts uh, in education. Is that tomorrow knows, it's probably a decade play, five to 10 year play, but we need to be developing that technology today. We also spoke to Miles Kubeka, founder of Wios. Now this is a story. Listen as Miles tells us about how he founded Wios Burubo's roles, learning lessons and bringing them home, as well as grabbing opportunities as they arise. I watched an advert about this guy selling Borovos on the side of a road and he grew it into a business and I thought, I wonder if that's based on a true story. Turned out it wasn't. Trademarked it, became Voyo. Um, we started a local market selling Buri rolls after I trademarked it and I just thought, well, let me see how where this thing is going to pan out, you know. And um, started selling every weekend. There was a longer queue and then a longer queue. And I thought, well, maybe we build this into a restaurant. and. Um, Interesting thing is no one goes into a restaurant to eat a burrovos roll. It's the weirdest thing. It's like the ugly stepsister yeah. of a burger. People go into a restaurant and have a burger, but they want a burrito roll. Who knew? So then I had to uh, broaden the breadth of the product I offered at the restaurant. And that actually led me in a very interesting and exciting path where we now do modern South African cuisine. Uh, and no one knows what that is, so we invent it as we go along. So yeah, it's been fun. A lot of young South Africans feel like innovation happens to them, not that they can partake in innovation. These were Miles' thoughts on the issue. Yeah, I think that's, that's one big part, is to see the opportunity. But to be honest with you, I think equally important, if not more important, is that once you've spotted the opportunity, executing on it, right? Um, and that's hard, you know, I think people have I don't know whether it's a societal, South African issue, but people um, have uh, fear, fear of, of starting or, or of the unknown. So they never get to the uh, getting over the hurdle of taking idea, 
into execution. And that's actually where the magic happens. And I'm not gonna lie, it's, it's flipping difficult, but you know, and you will you'll most likely fail. But I think if you do it enough times, one of them is likely to come true, right? Uh, so yeah. If you've listened this far, congratulations. You've earned the right to hear about our competition. Tweet a key insight you've learned from the Sage Invisible Admin podcast series to at Sage Group today to stand a chance to win one of three Sage One accounting licenses. Remember to use the hashtag FutureOfWorkSA. Good luck. Speaker and consultant Femi Adabanji also spoke to us about customer-centric business approaches, as well as how to implement it in practice. A lot of managers spend their time managing rather than leading. Femi had some tips for them. How do you, I think I think you gotta you gotta you gotta ask yourself. You know, are you the kind of what people say about you when you're not there? That that's the bottom. I might respect your position as a manager, but it doesn't mean I respect you as a person. You understand? I respect the person first before the position. So you have to ask yourself, what values am I actually exemplifying every single day? What actions am I taking? Because that's how we are rated, and that's how people believe in you as a leader or not. So I think that's the first thing, look within. You have to lead from within first and the rest takes care of itself. Last up, we've got Matthew Grosset, CEO of Run Walk for Life. Matthew, what does Run Walk for Life International do? It's, a, it's a, primarily a fitness and weight loss program, but it's a program that focuses not on the already converted runner and, and, and weight loss person. It's someone who's new to the industry, possibly hasn't done it before, doesn't quite know how to do it. So we focus very much on entry level into the, into the fitness and weight loss industry. With a focus of physical health shifting towards the technology sector, where does Run Walk for Life fit in? I think, and, and, and this is maybe going to be a little bit controversial where, one, where, where one's dealing with a, with a company that deals in technology. We have found in our business, technology is an enabler, so it doesn't give us a competitive advantage. It's a hygiene factor. If we don't get it right, members expect us to have it, and they don't give us kudos for having it. So what we found with technology is it certainly enables us, it frees up a lot of time, it obviously allows you to focus on core business, but it's not for us what the future of our business is about. The future of our business is very much about personal touch. We're finding more and more people are wanting personal attention again. They're wanting us to understand who they are, their particular needs. And technology certainly can enable that. It provides you with a lot of information on individuals that's customized to the individual. What we're finding is important now is what we do with that information. And that's where the human element comes into it. So we, in a, in a strange way, are almost certainly embracing technology. I think one has to. But we, we're finding that we we started to do that at the expense of the personal touch. Um, and I think a lot of companies do that. They, they think because they've got random automated SMSs and mailing systems and web pages and all sorts of digital communication that goes out, that they're doing the job. And we found that, we, that that's not the case with us. That stuff is important, but the personal touch is coming back in a big way. Having listened to some of the key themes and insights arising from the Stage Summit, tune into other conversations on the future of work as part of the Invisible Admin podcast series. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time.